This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. What does a ninja have to do with ovarian kung fu? Surprisingly, much more than you may think. You'll hear Miranda Mayer, a qigong expert and visual artist, and Jessica Brodkin talk about this and more. You'll also hear about Taoism, ninjutsu, and how spiritualism informed her art. During this conversation, think about how Taoism can influence your own life in your search for health, spirit, and balance. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Miranda, I'm very excited that you're here because you are, I've been taking your Qigong classes for a little while and I really, really love them. And Qigong has really improved my life. And you also have an amazing story, an amazing background. Well, I, um, I guess the first exposure I had to spirit, because I was raised quite agnostically, was mm -hmm. wandering into a lecture by Alan Watts in 1971. Very famous guy. Yeah. Really changed the West. Yeah, and changed me in the 15 minutes that I was there. In fact, a friend of mine dragged me. I didn't even want to go. Uh, and after that, I became very curious about how we think and feel and experience reality from the seeds he planted. Mm -hmm. So I was... Uh, bumping around Buddhism for a couple of decades without much discipline or... Decades? Commitment, yeah. So 71, 81, 91. Okay. Um, but it was always on a book-reading kind of philosophical way. Uh -huh. I never really loved that I had to clear and grow beyond my emotional reactions to things. So I don't want to go into equanimity and that aspect of Buddhism, but I, there were things about it that I just felt were out of reach for me, too hard, too far away. And at the same time, I was getting older. My body was getting creaky, so I know that I needed to go back to physical practice of some sort, and I have martial arts in my family, so that was an obvious choice. And I also stumbled into a ninjutsu dojo. Ninjutsu is more Taoist than Buddhist or Shinto. And so years of working with my ego and my body with ninjutsu uh, introduced me to aspects of Taoism. And the first thing I loved about Taoism was that your emotions are energy, that you embrace them, you use them, work with them, and accept them. So do you accept, let's say, negative emotions as well? <clears throat> yes. It's not, that, it's not that certain emotions are even negative. It's more useful to say they are disruptive or even inconvenient. The one people usually think about is anger as being negative. Yeah. So that's associated with the liver, 
right. and we have anger in the liver, we also have kindness. The idea is the energy vibrates differently. And I'm not a physicist, but I accept that lower vibrating energy manifests mm -hmm. as anger. And if we can raise and purify the vibration of that chi, of that energy, it manifests as kindness, generosity. And uh, is kindness also in the liver, you said? Yes. So um, acupuncture is based on Taoism as well, is that correct? Yes. Is all acupuncture based on Taoism? I think so. At the vast majority, unless someone is shifting it somehow. But the traditional acupuncturist, absolutely. So you have the Taoist or, you can say, Chinese medicine. It's acupuncture, medical qigong, tai chi and qigong, alchem alchemical meditation. All of these things are informed by Taoism. So Taoism is is impacting people's lives without them even knowing it. Absolutely. Because so many people go to acupuncture these days. Absolutely. And everyone who takes a Tai Chi class, which is more and more people also, all the concepts that the teacher will be sort of feeding you or that will inform the movements and the thinking are Taoist. So um, Tai Chi is a martial art, is that correct? Uh, sort of. Sort of? <laughs> so Tai Chi is only about 300 years old. Oh, that's really young. Yeah. And Taoism is, do we know how old Taoism is? Well, it evolves, so there's no date. You can, uh -huh. you can trace certain roots back to 4,000 years. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, tai Chi is, this is my definition. Okay. So, uh, practical definition rather than philosophical. It's a type of qigong. Qigong just means skill with your life force energy or skillful use of your breath. So Tai Chi is a martially informed or martial form of qigong. Because I've done Tai Chi and I've done different forms of qigong, but the Tai Chi that I did, we had swords. Yeah. With like plastic swords, we were and yeah. and forms because I used yeah. to do martial arts, and or I did ta taekwondo when I was a kid, and we would do all, you know all these forms, mm -hmm. and so the, the the tai chi I did felt like because I started tai chi hoping to do qigong, ah okay, and then I was like this isn't it, yeah, um, that's kind of the traditional path you you learn tai chi and then. If you last, you know, if the, the teacher says, okay, this is a good student, he will start teaching you Qigong. Oh, okay. Uh, my, I guess, root teacher, who's still living, Mantak Chia, experienced that, and he kind of rebelled against it. He did? Yeah. So, especially with the circulation of Qi, uh, with the microcosmic orbit. Yeah, that's very famous, microcosmic yes, orbit. yeah. When he went to Hong Kong and mainland China and learning these things, he was finding you learn the Tai Chi form, you practice, practice, practice. And some point later, the teacher would give you the energetics, would teach you microcosmic orbit. And he found it so helpful and thought it should be reversed. You should learn the microcosmic orbit first. And that energetic, let's say, sensitivity mm -hmm. uh, deepens your Tai Chi. Could you explain uh, what microcosmic orbit is? Mm. There are energy pathways through the body. Sure. That's what the 
acupuncturists are accessing the meridians. That's meridians. Okay. And there are about 14 of them mm-hmm. that the acupuncturists use. We also have these two main pathways up our center front and down our spine, our center the back. The Ren line? Ren and Du. And those aren't called meridians. Those are, uh, in English, we call them vessels because they operate differently. They can store energy. They can feed energy. They don't have a natural direction. They can go both ways. So because of that, they're very powerful in balancing your energy and vitalizing you. Are they... they I mean, for me, as somebody who initially works in Reiki and chakras, I mirrored them to the chakra system or similar. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's very easy to overlay them. Uh, There are minor differences, but they almost don't matter for most practices. So the microcosmic orbit is the connection of the front and the back channels. The front channel is yin and the back channel is yang. And the front and back connect at the bottom of your torso at the perineum. Yes, 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 yes. And at the top of the body, the yang channel goes over the top of the head to the roof of the mouth, Mm -hmm. and the yin starts at the tip of the tongue. So when we do the microcosmic orbit, we touch our tongue to the roof of our mouth. I did this 10 years ago. I didn't realize what I was doing. I didn't realize this was microcosmic orbit. Yeah. It's such a major part of our energetic anatomy it shows up i'm sure in all kinds of cultures as humans in hinduism it's there as well in hinduism it's yeah absolutely so along the microcosmic orbit we have what we translate in english as energy centers and if you look at the illustration they're smack on the chakras Mm -hmm. but we have the energy center in front and back we kind of separate them whereas Mm -hmm. in the chakra they're connected and going outward. Uh, And there are chakras in the back and the front. Yeah. So we have the yin and the yang. Okay. That way. So it's even closer than I thought. Yeah, it is. Hmm. I mean, if it's it's done correctly. Right. I I definitely have my hands all on. I mean, I, I work... I do. I work with my hands, so I, I mean, in terms of not just, I, I, I end up doing it through touch, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, in the medical qigong uh, version or lineage that I trained in, we have a chakra clearing, which is almost through touch. Gotcha. It's uh, just above the skin, pulling it out and cleaning the chakra, and then re-establishing the. Oh structure. yeah, that's very similar to pranic. So all the, the yeah. So all the um, the way that I find is when people are healers for a long time, they um, everyone ends up in the same space. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we all we all work the same. The healers that I know. Yeah. And even if they haven't been doing it, let's say chronologically a long time, they've probably been doing it for lifetimes. Right. And then I and then channel how to do it, and it's just. Yeah. I mean that's the way I work. Yeah, I agree with you definitely. Anyway, thank goodness. Sorry. Yeah, thank goodness, right? It really saves a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> be like, I've been doing this for decades. It's like, oh, my past lives. No, um, maybe a third of them. Uh, right. <laughs> so Buddhism is really on the rise, mm-hmm. and Eastern religions are really in the rise in spirituality. And what I found is a lot of people in spiritual circles um, don't actually have a text or a lineage that they go with. Mm. Everyone just sort of is bouncing around and borrowing. 
But Taoism is something a lot of people don't know. People read the Tao Te Ching, mm-hmm. but what concepts, what makes Taoism stand out from the other, let's say, Buddhism and the other Eastern faiths? Well, my first answer is that it's a distinct path from Buddhism, mm-hmm. Shintoism, and Absolutely. the others. What, I guess, the short version of why or how it's different is that There is a deep trust and respect of nature, mm-hmm. not only trees and animals, but the nature we carry within us. So a path in Taoism can be to clear away the ego chatter mm-hmm. enough so that you have a connection to nature, whether it's your nature or the flow of the seasons or the energy of the planet. And when you have that connection, that guide is enormously powerful and supportive and it changes everything. Because you're no longer making every decision based on your mini experience of the world. You're going with the 4.5 billion years that we have with the planet Earth. Um, That would be the overarching, I think, thing to keep in mind. Then we have the 4,000 years of Chinese culture, which is not, even though Zen came from Chinese culture, Mm -hmm. it's not that Zen, so it can get complicated. (laughs) You know, we start with yin and yang, the, the shade and the sun, the receptive and the active. We also have five elements. We have eight directions. We have four seasons. We there are have eight s- directions, not four directions? No, eight directions. So you have northwest and southeast as well. Cool. North, south, east, west. We use, uh, as a bridge to nature, we use uh, sacred animals on the earth, and we access the planets in the cosmos. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I think... It's not unique to Taoism, but really I love about it is that it it's a lens through which you can see every single aspect of your existence. Um, there are Taoist writings about agriculture. There are Taoist writings about sex, about warfare, about mothering, about dying. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's all based on these same concepts. So the texts, the ancient or modern texts about agriculture makes sense if you've acquainted yourself with the text about sex. Because you give, you receive, there's balance, there's harmony, but there's always change. And if, uh, let's say, the I Ching, for example, or Yi Jing, is a wonderful, informing tool. And Mm -hmm. if you understand the flow and the way the I Ching works, generally if you're having difficulty, you need to get out of your ego. Right. And get a broader view or a deeper view. So for the listeners, the I Ching is something called the Tao Tao Te Ching, right? No, the separate documents. The separate documents. The Tao Te Ching is the poetic embodiment of the philosophy of the Tao. 
cool. and it's short stanzas. You yes. read them, contemplate them. The meaning is not always clear, so the journey is very not clear. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. don't know what's going on. <laughs> so the figuring out, almost like a Zen uh-huh. koan, is the helpful part rather than just getting the answer. Uh-huh. The I Ching is uh, it's a book that gets a superficial definition as a way to predict the future. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I've seen so it. So there are uh, yin and yang. You, yes. create, you build it through six lines. Each line has a yin-yang character. Uh-huh. And then that hexagram, You, if you've been doing it for decades, you can just look at it and see. Most of us would refer to a book. And then there's an interpretation. Okay. I cast, actually, before I started doing Taoist martial arts, I cast the I Ching three, four, five times a week for 12 years, mostly because I was curious about Chinese culture. And the book I had, which is the one uh, it's been around the longest, is not all Taoist. It's Taoist, Buddhist, and Confucius in the mm, It's really mixed. Yeah, yeah. Mixed bag. And a lot of it is Confucius, so... It's like all about the good daughter and the good son. (laughs) (laughs) But you get a little bit of the... (laughs) And there's a real explosion of new translations now that avoid that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I think the I Ching is almost, for many people, more helpful than the Tao Te Ching. Cool. If you set aside this, I need to know what the crop's going to do this fall, or I need to know if I'm going to get this job. That, that's skimming the surface. That's, you're cheating uh-huh. yourself. If you start looking at... So I would keep a journal and just write the, the hexagram, the date, to see the pattern and the flow. I have no idea how the I Ching works. Okay. Uh, maybe the, our listeners do, maybe they don't, but I, I don't know... I've seen pick, I've seen the book like in spiritual bookstores, right, with a hexagram, but I don't know what it means. Well, it's or an how, embodiment. How somebody casts and, it. Sorry. Or how someone would cast yeah. it. Casting is very easy. It's um, it's the not contemplation. A spell. No, no. <laughs> you cast because you cast the the coins. Oh, you cast coins. Yeah. So okay, you can cut this out if it goes on too long, but. Um, You have three coins. Any coins, some people get very precious and have special ones. I always think it's better to have coins from whatever culture you're living in. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought dimes are too small, so I use nickels for decades. Heads is, uh, most people say heads are yang, tails yin. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's intuitive. I mean, it's whatever you you intend in the long run, but... So you hold them, people shake them, you clear your mind. It depends on how you work as a person. And you throw them on the table or the floor. And you have, um, I think it's nine possibilities. Uh You can have all heads. You can have two heads and a tail. Two tails and a head. All tails. Well, that's only four. I don't know. I'm dyslexic, so don't count on my math. However, this will give you a yin line or a yang line. Okay. And you start from the bottom and you just record, keeping a question or just a clear head while you do it. Uh-huh. Cast six times, you get six lines. 
And that gives you your hexagram. Ooh. There are 64 hexagrams. There are 64 combinations possible. This is crazy. Yeah. Can't wait to go home and do this. Yeah. You definitely should. It's great fun. It's a good party thing. Coming up, you'll hear Miranda talk more about Qigong, ninjutsu, and art. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Welcome to Hashtag Moms Got This. Get your mom life fix four days a week. I'm Michelle Parr. And I'm Stacey Eagle. Together, we chatted up with a new boss mom each week about her journey and why she's got this. Make sure to subscribe and show us some love on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever the best podcasts are found. And remember, Mom's Got This. <laughs> So Miranda, a lot of people start Qigong and they find it kind of too soft, right? Yes. I think that um, many people come to Qigong from yoga classes where they're really pushing themselves and finding a lot of benefit in that push. Some people come from martial arts, which is also another way of really challenging yourself. There's a saying that I found very helpful from Taoism or from Qigong, which is 60 to 70% of your maximum Mm. is where you should be. And I have, by personal experience, found that when I go to 60 or 70%, I still become more flexible. I still become stronger. I don't know why. It must be from the energy and energetics, but this gentleness is key. And It's a little disappointing to me sometimes to see people who I think if they stayed, they would really love Qigong, but they can't get past the the softness or the yin quality. The yin of Qigong is exactly what New Yorkers need. So I 150% agree with you, (laughs) as I know I do. And I think that people don't. So some of our listeners are going to know a lot about yin and yang, but a lot of them won't. Mm-hmm. Um, yin is the feminine energy and rest and receiving. Is yes. that correct? Yes. Softness. Softness. It's the part of the pair that for me is uh, most important. It's receptive. So sometimes they say active and passive. This is not correct. Passive is about just laying there and doing nothing. Receptive is aware, present, and without, I guess, expectation or preconceived notions that you're trying to This is so hard for people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but it, it is a process whereby you can slowly spend time with your yin and cultivate it. It's not like you have to switch it on. A lot of my female, so 90% of my clients are female. Mm. And, and my, a lot of my female clients, and I work in a healing center with acupuncturists mm-hmm. and um, chiropractors and stuff like that. And um, a lot of the female clients don't, their left side of their bodies are jacked. 
mm-hmm. or they feel too much yang or they have clearly yin deficiency mm-hmm. in their, in, if I look at their tongue or whatever. I mean, obviously right. I'm not a Chinese medicine doctor, but, um, and I talk to them about yin and I really believe that in our society, we do not value yin. No, we don't. And, and I think that, and, and I know we, we're in a new sort of feminist movement, but even people in the feminist movement, I think don't even understand what it means to be female. I agree. So, and the other thing I would say is that yin is not just female. So men Amazing. suffer from this as well. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, they have no space to voice their yin or they have no yes. feeling of freedom to it. We're all suffering for this hierarchy of value that isn't natural going back to nature. It isn't who we are. Um, I think that the feminist movement starting now and the things that are coming to light, becoming revealed, yeah. is is just the germination of something that's going to keep happening for a long time and evolving. And I hope part of that evolution, right now it's got a strong edge to it. It needs to have that edge, almost like a seedling pushing up yeah, through yeah, the earth. Yeah. But at some point it has to soften, has to open and then maybe our culture will embrace There's you. a lot of anger. Yeah. And it's understandable because there mm-hmm. are a lot of, you know, sexual assault right. victims. Um, for me, my the way I was able to push through that, I mean, I pushed through it. I've been working on it for like a decade. Sure. So it's not like, oh, I remembered, you know, um, but so much of pushing through it is forgiving everybody. Right. And forgiving myself and mm-hmm. also, um, honestly, acupuncture mm-hmm. helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Acupuncture and energy work. Mm-hmm. I know this is, I don't know if this sounds totally related, but one of my, something I just, I've been receiving acupuncture on and off for a decade. Mm-hmm. And um, I only recently discovered that there are PTSD treatments within acupuncture. Mm-hmm. And that there's something called the Buddha Triangle in TCM, which is traditional Chinese medicine. I'm sure you probably know, but maybe. And, of course, there's classical Chinese medicine in various times. But um, I really think that the way that women are talking about sexual assault is is coming from a place of, of so much pain. Yeah. Which is natural. Yeah. And I am fortunate. And obviously it's awful what happened to everyone. And what happened to me is, you know, really scary. And, um, but pushing through and finally coming to a place of more yin. And of course, even as a healer, like my job is I'm taking care of people, but I have burnout. So this right. is a young problem for a yin job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the idea of a path that's part of our culture now is Tao, is Taoist. Yeah. Being on a path. Uh, Zen Do, the word Do mm-hmm. is Tao with a Japanese accent. So it's much more prevalent than we think, but this idea of process and path is completely, uh, well, I I won't claim that it's from Taoism, but it's central to it. So the the women who are coming uh, forward and are still working with their anger, Mm -hmm. are at one place in this path, and hopefully they won't get stuck and they will continue to to evolve and move Because I'm not there anymore. Yeah. I was angry. I I really have no, uh, I guess, belief in instantaneous healing. I think it can appear that way occasionally, 
But usually there's a great deal of work that's happened to lead up to that point. Um, and usually healing is I mean, over time. I've been doing receiving healings for 11 years, of one form or another, both energy and acupuncture and therapy and all mm-hmm. that. And then uh, a month ago, I received um, a Buddha triangle, uh, what do you call it, PTSD treatment. And the following day, so many things happened. It was nuts. Mm. I reconciled with one of my good friends. Another friend who I had a toxic relationship left. I started playing music again. I wanted to go on dates again for the first time in like six months. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I was, I wanted to do stand up. I felt like I was uh, just some light switch took right. off. Cause it, when you have post-traumatic stress or when you have trauma, mm-hmm. It feels like you're just like a fish in water. You don't even feel it because it's so, such a big part of who you are. Right. And so when it's gone, it's like, oh, holy crap. Who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the person I forgot that I was. Right. But that wasn't just that one treatment. No. It was all your it years. Was the years of treatment leading up to it. To make you ready for that. Ready for that one thing to go boom. Yeah. And then I've had three since then. And, you know, I feel better, but I don't feel like I did that one day. Right. Yeah. But I needed that. One yeah. treatment. Yeah. This is maybe a good time to talk about um, ovarian kung fu. Okay. And vaginal kung fu since we're on the lady train. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're definitely on the lady train. <laughs> can you explain? I, I was, um, yeah, can you explain what that is? Sure. Ovarian kung fu is the literal translation from Chinese for a collection of practices that, um, deal with a woman's sexual energy, uh-huh. her jing chi, uh-huh. and it is a collection of practices. They uh, can address hormonal imbalance, uh, aging, uh-huh. emotions, sexual pleasure, and uh, things that are peripheral or seem peripheral like Confidence, boundaries, um, centered and groundedness. I mean, really your whole being, ultimately. The, uh, to summarize, the core practice is, well, let me step back. We have more than one kind of energy. Chi is running through our meridians and is our life force energy. But there's like liver chi, there's... Yes, but still chi. Kidney chi, right. Yeah. We also have Shen, which is often translated as spirit and is our least material and most spirit-like energy, but it is an energy. And then we have Jing. Jing is our most, it's our heaviest and most physically manifest energy, and that's the energy we use to create life. So that is in our ovaries and helps us produce eggs and uh, energizes them for birth in men it's in the sperm i was wondering if there was like balls yeah uh, uh, or testicle yeah tai chi it's called seminal seminal that's way way classier of a name balls kung fu fu. (laughs) i think there's a lot of that around in In new york city there's enough balls kung fu yeah of both genders (laughs) so this um Low-hanging fruit. I have to go there. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Just like... Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. 
So it has a spotty past. It was basically handed down through the aristocracy because the people who were farming and uh, merchants didn't have time. They were living right. their life. I was life. wondering if the concubines did this. Yes, absolutely. And there's a whole, you know... Huge concubine population there was, yeah. right? Yeah, and and uh, a lot of information there. We don't. I don't really have time to go over that. Are but. yoni eggs involved in this? Yes. <gasps> so the core practice of meditation is yes. drawing jing out of the ovaries, accumulating it in something in a place in your body, which is between your ovaries, a little above your uterus, called the ovarian palace. And with your intention and your focus, you draw it through the microcosmic orbit. I'm going to call my uterus from now on the the palace. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Every time I go to my gyno, I'm like, how's the palace? How's my palace? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, sorry. I'm sorry. No, and then when this was actually a very secretive practice and it was right. held tightly by the aristocracy and uh, the person, as far as I know, who brought it out into the open to America was Montak Chia. This is your teacher? Yeah. Ooh, look at you, direct lineage. Hey, girl, hey. <laughs> <laughs> says, yes, but... It's important to have a good lineage. I guess. You, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is that everyone in China has a great lineage. Oh, everyone thinks they have a great yeah, lineage. Yeah, so it, there's a lot of hype, lineage hype. Oh, is on. there? They, yeah. have, they have like a hype man, like yeah. lineage hype man? Yeah. Lineage My lineage is, is better lineage. than your lineage. <laughs> That's so ego. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so this is the centerpiece of the practice. I could go into all the benefits, but it can help with fertility cycle. Is it proven to help with fertility? Yes. So all these women freezing their eggs, they should be doing this. Every woman should be doing this. Every woman should be doing this. I've got a lot of girlfriends who froze their eggs or are freezing their eggs. I see no problem with that. You I don't mean, think there's a problem with egg freezing? I, I don't know enough about it, yeah. but it seems to me that I, I do believe the Western idea that as you age, the quality of your eggs diminishes. Yeah. yeah. So if you freeze your eggs, you can delay having children. Yeah. You know? Why not? Why not? Uh, so the difference between ovarian kung fu and vaginal kung fu is clear in a metaphoric, I guess, way. Oh, of course, this all makes sense. If you're working with your ovaries, it's the center of your belly and yes. the uh, source of this energy. Your vagina is further out. Yeah. It is not the source of your jing chi, all the benefits. Not. And I think it's just a, a renaming to separate it from the or, uh, origin from Montachia's practice. So the Dantian mm -hmm. is really so okay. So for listeners who don't know about Dantian, the Dantian is one of the the, the where the energy is stored in the body. Well, there are three Dantian. We're talking okay. about the lower Dantian. Lower Dantian that is uh, has a lot of uses, but it's. Physically, it's your center of gravity. Uh -huh. Energetically, yes, it's a field in your body which can store energy, which you can work with energy to transform it in one way or another. It is separate from the ovarian palace. Ovarian palace is still, this is my catchphrase for the day. <laughs> I'm going <gonna laughs> to get take your t-shirt. You're an ovarian palace. I'm ready for my ovarian palace. I played the ovarian palace. <laughs> 
You know, really know what girls like. <laughs> you know what they want. Um, <laughs> in the chakra system, mm-hmm. the low, where the lower dantian is, is the second chakra. This is the place of creativity as well mm-hmm. as sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, for ovarian kung fu, does this also help with creativity? Absolutely. Great. That's what I thought. Yeah. Because for the second chakra is like the most complicated chakra in the in the energy system. Is that right? Uh, I mean, there's it's creativity, it's sexuality, it's mm-hmm. finance, it's career. It's like ay dios mio. It's oh. like everything that everybody's upset about all the time. Right. Is is there? Is there. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Everybody goes bananas. They're yeah. like, my sex. Either people aren't having sex, or they're married and they don't have sex, or so everybody's. It's not the right kind of sex. It's not the right kind of sex. Is whatever. Yeah. It's bananas. My career is not good. I don't make enough money. This is like what everybody says uh, on, on a loop. Yeah. Well, I don't think we really focus on career and money in the second chakra or the ovarian palace. That the tends creativity. to be the dantian. Okay. And that tends to be um, energetically strengthening the dantian and grounding. So there's a little separation, even though the dantian is sitting right on top of okay. the ovarian palace. Uh, but creativity... Passion, which could be passion in your career. Yeah. Uh, joie de vivre in general, just joy in life, is in the ovarian palace and the jing chi. I mean, the, I could, you can make a long list, but we kind of in, almost intuitively know what our sexual energy feeds um, and when it's yeah, off, we absolutely. feel it. I'm very excited to join your ovarian palace class. I really believe that one of the issues with Qigong uh, right now is that it's not sexy. Mm. I really think that it's like problematic because people are really turned on by Kundalini and my, um, my clients are obsessed with Kundalini and I I like Kundalini and I did done it quite a bit. Kundalini uh, opens up your third eye Mm -hmm. without really, I think proper grounding for a lot of people. Yeah. And And it's really problematic. Because mm-hmm. they all these people with their third eyes open running around, and and they're they're not in this reality anymore. Right. And they can see all sorts of things, and they don't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my opinion. And also, the kundalini that we do is from a very specific yogi budget. It's not like, you know, there's a lot of different. I think mm-hmm. there are other types of kundalini. And I'm like, no, I think a lot of. I think some people do want to be more intuitive, and kundalini is good for them. But I encourage a lot of people to do qigong. Uh, because Qigong is very grounding and Qigong is very good for me because my third eye has been too open for years mm-hmm. or my, uh, I work intuitively. Mm-hmm. So I r- really need it. Right. And of course, my first and second chakra, which I mean, you would call Dantian and I don't know what you call the pe- the perineum, have, mm-hmm. the energy there has been shot for me. Mm-hmm. So I really needed it. And and I think that I think that I think in New York City, people are excited about something new. They want to be in a studio that's sexy. They want to. They do. They want to be in a place that's on class pass. Yeah. I mean, they want, I mean, I, listen, I, I have class pass. I've gone to a ton of, I've, I've gone to some studios that I'm not going to publicly take a shit on, uh, even though I really want to. Um, <laughs> so I think their meditation's garbage. Mm. And, and I, and I told them that I'm like, Hey, your meditation is not proper. Mm. Like, this is not even like legit. I don't know what you're doing here. Right. And you've spent, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars on these spaces in New York city. Um, in general, they're legit, but there's some places that are like, but they want these new sort of, I think if, if Qigong was created in a studio like that, I think people would do it more. You're not wrong. Um, 
But here's the thing. The beautiful spaces, the 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 flashiness, mm-hmm. the hottest thing, the new hottest thing yeah. is bullshit. It is bullshit. And so you can either, you can approach it in a couple of ways. You can do that and draw people in and hopefully send them to a deeper place mm-hmm. once they get past the door. Or you can just say, as my other teacher, uh, Masahiro Ouchi says, they're not ready. Oh my God, you're so brilliant. It's and- the difference between you and me. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we just have our own brilliances. <laughs> All right, that's much nicer thing to say. <laughs> but the an- another answer is, I don't know. I mean, I've been teaching Qigong and Taoist meditation uh, full on for 10 years, and my classes, as you know, are tiny. I do. Uh, it's something in the beginning. I thought, oh, I have to get, you know, a big class, like a yoga class, and I just let it go. My teaching practice has evolved to be very personal and very, um, for lack of a better word, maternal. I mean, my ongoing long-term students, I call somebody up and I said, I'm worried about you. Yeah. Or I'm so happy I'm not worried about you anymore. So in a way, the New York need for new has put me on a very traditional Taoist teaching path. Absolutely it is. And that's just how it's going to be for a while. There, my first um, experience with Qigong, I was 28. This was almost uh, nine years ago. I went to Jeff Primrack. Do you know who he is? Qi Revolution. It yeah. was, a, it was a, 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 a hall, an enormous hall in a hotel. It was 100 bucks for three full days of Qigong. Yeah. I went with an ex-boyfriend of mine. He dragged me there because he loved it. He was a cool dude. Um, and we showed up with a yoga mat. There are like 400 people there or more. Wow. And we're all just following these things together. And he's trying to sell all sorts of garbage, mm-hmm. like buy my book on food or whatever. Right. I mean, it's not garbage or selling DVDs. Um, but he really, he had the, he had sort I mean, I've done Qigong with three different people so far, mm-hmm. three different teachers. And every experience has been completely different for me. Mm-hmm. They've all felt amazing, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, I, I don't know. You're doing, I guess, the spiritual teacher in me, or the spiritual student and teacher in me, right? We're all mm-hmm. says that everything that is happening is supposed to happen, yeah. and so your path in terms of how you're teaching and how you're sharing your wisdom is exactly as it's supposed to be. Right. The the entrepreneur change maker in me <laughs> wants to be like, everybody should know about this. <laughs> What's the matter with you with you? Not you, but like, yeah, you know, right. is that I want to shout it from the rooftops um, hmm. and share mm-hmm. because they don't really know. No, they just, you know, and it might be further along our path toward the appreciation of yin mm-hmm. because the one-on-one is, more yin it's more feminine i use the word maternal the massive groups and the expansion you know this big expansion it's yang yang is not better or worse than yin it's just different i'm a very yin dominant person so for me to try to fill a hotel 
conference. Right? Oh, I'm not saying that you should do No, that. but I'm saying it's not uh, aligned with my nature. Right. And at one point I thought, well, I should be and trying like, harder. No. no, 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 no. So I wish more people did Qigong. I think Qigong is the best. Yeah. I just love it. And I think Taoism is really cool. Yeah. It's so different. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to me that the one piece of Taoist literature that was sort of made its way across the Pacific Ocean and was very widely read was The Art of War. Oh, my God. And was very popular. And it remains popular, but that really flooded the market, especially with business people for a while. Yeah. But, you know, I guess it is what it is. Coming up, we'll hear more about Miranda's personal life, her experience with ninjutsu, and her visual art. Do you remember what we used to say about running? Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable. And so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this. So there are other very cool things about you that I know that our audience has not known. One is that you've been an artist since you were six years old. Visual artist, right? And a ninjutsu practitioner for 18 years. Yes, I'm a retired ninja. (laughs) (laughs) You wonder, like, if ninja's like the mob, you know what I mean? Or, like, you can't really leave. Like, what's a retired ninja? Like, here's, I I know that ninjas actually didn't wear the little black outfits. Oh, yeah, they do. They do? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have one? And I say the fact that I'm a retired ninja means I was very good at ninja. Ooh. Because the ones that weren't good... They died. Yeah. They <laughs> to retirement. <laughs> so I started doing nin- ninjutsu as that physical activity mm-hmm. that I needed after the boom. So there's a big boom in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I got it right on the cusp of when it was extremely uncool. Because, it, you know, it was uh, passe. And that was the best thing that happened to me because everyone that I trained with and the teachers I had were there because it was their life. It wasn't a next new thing. And I started out in what I call public dojos. So the public dojo, you would pay a fee and anyone could train. 
within reason. And I found my true teacher, who is a private teacher. He charges nothing, but he only teaches people he wants to teach. Mm. And yes, we tra- uh, we train. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. Well, it's suitable for that tradition, especially. Um, we train in Prospect Park in Brooklyn. He continues to train there. So I trained in Prospect Park in Brooklyn for 15, 16 years. You gotta give me the hookup if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Introduce you. He's a wonderful person. And so as we get older, many other martial artists have found this to be true too. The impact when you throw and you fall, the body just can't take so much anymore. Longer recovery. 36 and my knees are busted. Well, I'm having a hard time. <laughs> yeah. I'm 63 and my knees are busted. Hello. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> and so I decided to uh, retire from the physical yeah. stuff. Uh, I'm still a member of his family and he is of mine. I think when you're younger, you learn stuff like adding stuff to mm-hmm. you. You want more skills, more this, more that. And as time passes, it becomes more apparent that you need to burn off. Yes. And through the rigor and pain some many times and challenges of ninjutsu, I burnt off a lot of unnecessary stuff. And it was essential to who I am, remain so. And ninjutsu is unique in it's a Japanese martial art. As far as I know... It's the only Japanese martial art that's based in Taoism. All the others are Shinto or Buddhist. And that's how I ended up from where I was to where I am, is through a stepping stone of ninjutsu. Amazing. So, Miranda, how has your spirituality informed your art? Well, for many years, I kept it separate. Mm-hmm. A lot of my work had to do with the the violent side of human nature. And I guess my spiritual practices helped me heal from doing that dark work. And then about four or five years ago, I had a period of time where I really needed to take a break. And I didn't make art for about a year. I wanted to see what would happen, what I would feel. And after about that year, I needed to make stuff again. And I really didn't care if I exhibited it, if it was marketable. And I started uh, doing meditative uh, ink painting. Nice. So now I'm figuring out a way to explore uh, ink calligraphy and mark making sort of in the space between East and West, because I don't speak or write Japanese or Chinese, and I don't want to mimic things from that culture. But I think that mark-making is so fundamental to human beings that it's outside culture. So for the past uh, couple of series or projects, I've been looking at ways to uh, make calligraphy that is not language. So I'm wow. uh, doing a... It's a enormous piece of three by three cards and each one has a full moon so the calligraphy oh is the, my god <laughs> the, the calligraphy are the craters of the moon stop and, it and the 
The, so um, cool. I can't. I used oh. to run a full moon comedy show at Caroline's on Broadway. Oh. And I've led a lot of full moon and new moon circles. Yeah. And today's a, a new moon in Gemini. Yeah. And I'm a Gemini. Whoa. <laughs> Happy new moon, girl. Thank you. <laughs> so, yes. And that is actually a portrait, you could say, or a biography of my brother who died at age 65. There are 824 full moons in a 65-year-old's life. And that's it, epic. It's also for me to process that, not just to... to process his yeah. passing? Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, thank you. So, um, this has been really incredibly fun and insightful for me. And fun for me, too. And I really appreciate you being here and sharing your wisdom with me and our audience. And how can people find you? How can people find you, uh, reach out to you for Qigong? How can people find your art if you are, if your art is on the market? I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, I am a lover of websites. Excellent. So my art website is Miranda-Mayer.com. How do you spell Mayer? M-A-H-E-R. Okay. And Miranda is M-I-R-A-N-D-A. Okay. And my Qigong and Tao website is tiger heart tau.com And for you, think about the flows of nature. Think about the yin and yang. And when you're frustrated, are you going against the grain of what should be? This has been all... Po- My name is just... This, <laughs> this has been all possibilities... This has been All Possibilities. I am your host, Jessica Brodkin. You could find me at loveandlightservices.com or on Instagram at Jessica Brodkin, B-R-O-D-K-I-N. Thank you so much. And be on the lookout for All Possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.